Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome to Hunting Seasons, the podcast that dares to binge watch, deep dive and break down a season of television each and every episode. I'm Broderick Gordis. I'm Damask Leary. And today we'll be discussing season one of the Netflix live action adaptation of the legendary anime of the same name, Cowboy Bebop season one. Damask Leary, how are you doing this evening? I'm good. I've been on uh, Minecraft today, just like, you know, renovating my castle, adding some <laughs> towers, all, all that great stuff. I will, I've got to, I've got to put this out here. Um, now I play Minecraft on the Switch. Yes. I did some Googling because mine seems to have a bug <gasps> going on, a little glitchy thing. Every time I put an armor stand down, even with armor on it, it disappears. Oh, shit. So, I That's put annoying. it down, I'll walk away, I'll come back and it's all just gone. So, if anyone knows how to fix it, I've Googled it and there's like things you can do, like if you play it on a PC or whatever, uh-huh. there's things you can do. Nothing about what to do on a switch so if anyone out there knows what i can do because i had a great idea for my castles um the main courtyard that you first walk through and it's really like harsh my vibe that i can't <laughs> make it happen so if anyone knows please let me yeah just just dm me on twitter please thank I you i love so that much. our podcast has gone from a no talking about video games broad to let's <laughs> troubleshoot minecraft with the mask in the intro it's the only game I play. It's like it's my greatest joy is really kind of the the world I'm building. So yeah, if anyone can help, I'd appreciate it. How are you, bro? Need to keep playing. God, I'm good. Uh, what have I been doing? It's it's I don't know what I've been doing actually. Melbourne's just sort of on a roll at the moment. It's got this sense that we've just opened up, and now we're talking about Omicron variant, mm, and so everyone's great just like, name it's by like, the way. Omicron. Yeah, great I know. Name. Yeah, um, mm. I've, you know, a lot of people are saying it's like it sounds like a, a Decepticon name or something like that, or a Transformer name. I'm like, did no one watch Futurama? Omicron Percy I eight was the planet that like Gur and uh, Nar came from, the alien oh. king and queen. Yeah, Omicron Percy I eight. Yeah. There you go. Um, yeah, so I don't know. Everyone's vibe is just a little bit like you're talking about harshing your vibe with your armor stands. That's how it feels in Melbourne right now. It's like, are we going into another lockdown? Is something, is something bad about to happen again? So everyone's a bit on tender hooks. But tomorrow, I'm looking forward to Paul Mitzi of the Swapcast podcast. He's going to be in town. <gasps> so tomorrow night that. we're going to see Dune, June, depends who you ask, uh, at IMAX, which will be fun. And mm. yeah, get to hang out with Paulie. That'll be good. I'm so jealous, so jealous. Well, we were thinking Saturday night we might watch a bad movie. And he hasn't seen Mm. Birdemic yet. (gasps) So, I don't know what you're doing Saturday night, but we could do a little like put together watch party. (laughs) Now, Damascus is going into a diary to see what's going Uh, on. (laughs) Oh, I'm working until 8, so it's probably too late. Uh, well, we'll never know. Listen, if you can get your... What was that put you? That's 11 p.m. out. Oh, we'll see how we're going. Maybe you can yeah. join in for the end of the screening or something like that. 
That'd be fun. Oh, that spoilers for Birdemic, but that last scene when they're on the beach eating seaweed yes. or some shit. Yeah, yeah. And they're watching all the birds go off. Yeah, exactly. hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Let's get to our spoiler free review of Cowboy Bebop season one. Let me clue you in. Season in review. Cowboy Bebop is an American live-action adaptation of the iconic Shinoshiro Watanabe 1998 sci-fi neo-noir Japanese anime series and movie of the same name. Following a ragtag group of bounty hunters as they chase down criminals across the solar system, the live-action series is developed by Andre Nemec, written primarily by Christopher Yost, and stars John Cho, Mustafa Shakia, Daniela Pineda, Elena Satine, Alex Hassel, and Welsh Corgi dog actors Charlie and Harry. Cowboy mm. Bebop Season 1 was released on Netflix on November 19th, 2021, and consists of 10 episodes or sessions, each coming in at around 46 minutes and took us approximately 7 hours and 35 minutes to watch. At the time of this review, there has been no word on if Cowboy Bebop will return for a second season, though I'll note you can watch the original anime, minus the movie, in its entirety on Netflix right now. Hint, hint, definitely watch it. Damask, before we get to our review of the live-action Cowboy Bebop Season 1, how familiar were you with Cowboy Bebop before watching the live-action remake? Um, I've definitely heard about it a lot. You wouldn't shut up about it in high school. (laughs) (laughs) Um, You and a lot of the boys we hung out with kept talking about how good Cowboy Bebop was. You got to watch it, Damask. You got to watch it. I never did. Um, Until about, I think I was like 21, so like about a decade ago. Um, I was like, oh, I'll, I'll, I'll pop this in. And I think I watched the first two episodes and I was like, no, nah, I can't be bothered um, and didn't watch anything else. So I know of it. Uh-huh. I know it's about bounty hunters in space. Um, I watched, yeah, two episodes a decade ago. So yeah. not familiar at all would be what I've got to say about that. Other than like I understand it's standing in pop culture. Totally. Uh, very different experience for me. Um, Cowboy cam, came by Cowboy Bebop, yeah, just after I finished high school. But you're you're below me, so I was still hanging out yeah. with you like a loser. Um, I was working <laughs> <laughs> at a uh, like a computer like IT place. We did comp- computer repairs. And I remember stuff. visiting you there once. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. And you can, as you can imagine, the people that work there are kind of massive nerds. And so I was familiar at the time with things like um, Neon Genesis Evangelion because it had been mm-hmm. on SBS, and I'd watched that when it was. Yeah. I w- that was even like I was in primary school. That was actually yeah. I remember as watching it was- in primary school. I mean, so like, that was what? the mid nineties, right? <laughs> mm. And then, uh, so I got put onto a bunch of different things through these guys at uh, this IT place, and one of the things was Cowboy Bebop. I think particularly because I was a fan of Firefly, and mm. so there are definitely, and this comes up in my review, there are touchstones there that are similar. So I started watching Cowboy Bebop. And there's 26 episodes of this, 24 minutes per episode of this anime. And I consumed it very, very quickly and pretty quickly fell in love with it. And I know it's not like I'm not outside the box for loving it's Cowboy Bebop. It's not a hot take. Not yeah. a hot take, but I'm a massive fan of Cowboy Bebop. Or at least I mm. was when I watched it 15 years ago. And that's an interesting thing I want to point out as well. I haven't really watched the anime since then. It's one of those things that like I've listened to the music a bunch of times or I've watched scenes here and there a bunch of times. But I haven't watched the anime or the movie in... 10 to 15 years at least. And I haven't, mm. I've thought about rewatching it a bunch of times. In fact, I'm pretty sure I bought it on, yeah, I'm looking at it now. I bought it on Blu ray at some stage, but still didn't get around to watching it. Just purchased it because I had to have it. Um, but like the characters and the image, imagery and the music and stuff is very iconic. Spike to me is always 
there was always that little extra connection because it's a very subtle detail in the anime. It only comes up. It's explicitly said in like one of the last episodes, but he has two different colored eyes. And oh. so as someone who has two different colored eyes, there aren't a lot of characters that are prominent in that. Mm. And I'm like, oh yeah, Spike's, Spike's cool. That's cool. I'm yeah. cool. <laughs> uh, so that was, <laughs> that was important to me as well. Um, so massive, massive fan of the show, but haven't watched it in a long, long, long time. And came into this idea of a live action uh, remake, American mm. live action remake, as I have with any sort of anime remake that I've seen at this point, with a lot of trepidation. So, that, with that in mind, Damask, would you like to give us your spoiler free review of Cowboy Bebop season one, please? Sure. I'm like excited just because I think this is going to be a fun podcast. Okay. okay. <laughs> Look, I don't want to beat around the bush here. Um, <laughs> I did not like this show. I certainly wanted to, but almost immediately I was so epically disappointed. As I stated just before, I've only ever seen, you know, the first two episodes of the anime about a decade ago. So I had none of my own ideas about what this show would look or feel like to experience. All I knew was this was a beloved series that was really important to a lot of people. So, you know, if you're going to do that, you know, make something that's really important to a lot of people, then by God, you better make it something special and you better add a whole lot that makes people like me go, huh, I can see why this team of creatives wanted to adapt something that was already great into something comparable, but with their own flair and perspective. But no matter what, you've got to make it good. And this was not good <laughs> at all. When I originally saw the trailer for the show, I worried it would be, I was, I was excited by it, but I was worried it would be style over substance. Can I just ask quickly, do you mean yeah. the Lost Sessions teaser trailer or do you mean the like more traditional trailer? Because it was one that was kind the of The more like, traditional trailer. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, so when I originally saw that trailer, I did worry that it would be style over substance, but I can report that's not the case. This show has neither style nor substance. Uh, it looks and feels shit. The story is beyond dull. I could barely pay attention during 80% of the entire show's runtime. Now, this is a cartoon brought to life. They very much want you to know that. Uh, I, I, I'm stepping in here. This is an anime that's been adapted. Or are you saying the show is a cartoon brought to life? Because I, I think there's a Let very- Let me finish what okay, I'm okay. saying. Okay. Because <laughs> there's a real difference and I feel that difference. Yeah. This is a cartoon brought to life, which makes me wonder what its reason for existing is, since you know it is an amazing anime. Beautifully said, yep. The world doesn't feel lived in. We go from cheap set to cheap set, filled with absurd characters that are neither funny or interesting. Our leads are performed by competent actors. I don't want to, like, disparage them. They're doing what they can. But the writing is terrible we don't get a real sense of these people their outlines but they're not shaded in gray they're i don't know an off-putting poo color that makes you want to vomit on yourself and take a shower for days seriously these characters are boring and pooey that's the only way i can describe them now this show is obsessed with being cool but it's how do, how do I say this? Um, it's not. It's like watching brick walls quip at one another about, you know, bricks. Snooze. It's a fucking snooze. All humanity is drained from every character as the writers try to smash us over the head with what they consider cool. 
but you can't be cool without style. I'm sorry, you just can't. And this show has none of it. Which brings me back to the fact that this show looks terrible. I can't get over how bad this show looks. I don't know if it was the lighting, the cinematography, the sets, the costumes or what. If it's a combination of everything. But it looks so... It it looks fucking cheap. Not far off from a crowdfunded fan video is what it looks like. And though... and. you know, crowdfunded fan videos can be cool, but that's because they're giving us they're given a certain amount of leeway since you know corners had to be cut to fit a twenty thousand dollar budget for one of those things. This is a Netflix show with so much money and the availability of any director they want. And yet Alex Garcia Lopez and Michael Cattleman think all you need is a brightly lit room and a Dutch angle. Good lord. I'm so every time a Dutch angle came up, I was fucking angry. I'm like, I'm sorry. Have you just? It's like they did a starter course on Quentin Tarantino and learnt nothing, but thought they did. That's what I kept thinking. I was like, this is making me furious because, like, as we know, Quentin Tarantino, he's like not my favorite director, but he has a style. Sure, you you feel him telling us. He is telling us a story. And he loves, you know, spaghetti westerns and, like, B-movies and mm-hmm. um, kung fu movies and, like, all that stuff, which we're told are present in this show, but they're not, actually. There's, there's, I don't feel any love for any of those genres mm-hmm. in any shot in mm-hmm. this entire fucking show. And I, I just riffed that bit about Quentin. Quentin Tarantino. That is not in what I've written. I just like my brain is exploding with anger. Um, Moving on. (laughs) The action sequences are beyond boring. They seem slow, like they were shooting a rehearsal and forgot to put in the final footage. It's shocking to watch. Um, It's not until much later in the season when you're given some much-needed context that made me think the anime might be worth watching. I was like, oh, there is a story here. You know, it's not original by any stretch of the imagination, but, you know, I love a trope. Um, Certainly, if it's it's well-utilized, I love a trope. It really has its purpose, particularly now that we're kind of in the stage of like deconstruction and all that type of stuff like I'm even if it's not even if it's just a straight trope if it's done well I'm, I'm there for it that's not what they're doing here um so after like you know the reveal of kind of what the story actually is um I thought oh okay I can see how if the anime looks and feels cool plus this kind of playing with these tropes I can see why that might have value whereas before that point which is very late in this series I was like I don't even understand why people would watch an anime of this story it's fucking boring um yeah so this iteration this possibly interesting story is surrounded by nothing but terribleness on every level of production Another thing that I find truly baffling is that our lead Spike spends much of the series fawning over a woman with seemingly no personality who has the audacity to wear the worst wig in human history. Anytime she came on screen, I wanted to rip it off her head and yell at the person in charge of hair and makeup. Watching this show made me a worse person. It filled me (laughs) with... <laughs> it, I'll tell you why. Because it filled me with hatred. Like I, I wanted to become violent with people who made it, and like I don't want to be that guy. <laughs> like it, it just—I was furious. I didn't like it. I wish it to erase it from my mind. 
that is my review of Cowboy Bebop Season 1. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, there's, there is a lot, a lot, a lot that is almost like verbatim <laughs> ripped from my review. Like, legitimate oh, really? <laughs> lines that are like almost the same. In fact, you added back in one bit that I almost was going to say. I was going to have this bit about mm. the difference between anime and cartoons and how mm. it feels like they... They're making this like they're making a live-action version of a cartoon, but that's not what anime is. Like an American cartoon, anime is a very different style and like Mm -hmm. they're going for something that's completely off here. I actually took that out of my review. I'm glad you put it in because we got to bring it up for a second. Mm. Okay. Here we go. (laughs) This week, I watched a pulpy live-action TV show about a ragtag group of space cowboys who create their own found family living aboard a dinky spaceship as they travel from planet to planet doing dangerous jobs in an effort to stay fed and keep the lights on, all while trying to avoid powerful forces with ties to their mysterious past. But enough about Firefly. Boom goes the dynamite. All right. Is this Slash... Film podcast or whatever. Apparently, yeah. yes. Yeah, this is a nod to Dave Chen of the Slash Film Podcast or the Film Podcast now, Filmcast Podcast, I should say. Who likes to do these boom goes dynamite bits? So thanks for humoring with that one. This has been a weird couple of months for me. Two properties that I care a lot about both had live action TV adaptations. Firstly, Why the Last Man, which adapted from a comic book series and now Cowboy, Cowboy Bebop from the original anime. In both of these In cases... In comparison, <laughs> Why the Last Man is the best show ever created. <laughs> In both of these cases, the challenge for me was knowing how to approach a review of these adaptations. As a fan of the source material, should I focus my review on the effectiveness of the adaptation or should I try to disconnect myself from my fandom and watch the show as its own thing, reviewing it as though it were a completely original and new thing? While I tried to do the latter at numerous points throughout my watch of this show, I ultimately decided to go with the former approach for two reasons. One, this is an adaptation. It exists because it is a reimagining of the anime. And so comparison is fair game as it wouldn't exist without it. Number two, Damask isn't familiar with Cowboy Bebop the anime. So on this podcast, at least, you'll get a virgin viewer, their take of this. Um, from her anyway, so you don't need it from me. So with that conundrum out of the way, what are my overall thoughts on Cowboy Bebop Season 1? Simply put, this was so, so ill-conceived. As always, let's start with the positives. (laughs) Yes. The core cast is good. If you're going to have a live-action Cowboy Bebop, John Cho as Spike is a pretty inspired choice. He can certainly bring the effortless, laid-back, nonchalant energy that's the trademark of Spike Spiegel, while also hinting at the inner turmoil buried beneath his cool exterior. Mustafa Shakir is really solid as Jet Black with a very faithful interpretation of the anime persona, aside from some backstory things that are different. And Daniela Pineda's take on Faye makes sense for a modern adaptation. Faye is an equally entertaining and fascinating character in the anime, but a bit of an update for modern sensibilities makes sense. Um, Mm -hmm. And Pineda or Pineda does an admirable job with it, I think. Most importantly, the chemistry between the three actors is tangible, doing a lot of work to make me care about the Bebop crew. They do a lot of heavy lifting. (laughs) They do, yeah. On the other hand, I'm not sure I feel so great about the performances of Elena Satine and Alex Hassel as Julia Vicious. Can't wait to talk about that later. Oh, my God. (laughs) But it's hard hard to say if that's the performance problem or indicative of other weaknesses. Uh, Another element that is easy to appreciate in a general sense is the music. Legendary composer Yoko 
Cano or Cano is back to score this adaptation, bring with her a heap of recognizable tracks from the anime and a selection of brand new compositions. Is she a woman? Yes, she is. I didn't know that. Can I I just quick note on that? Sure. Um, because the music's so good, it makes the show worse. Because the, the music is cool and the show is not. Anyway, go on. But this is an easy win. The music was always going to be great when so much of it is ripped straight from the original show. What's missing from the live action version is the harmonious blending of the imagery and the music of the anime, with each element elevating the other, creating countless memorable moments of mood and tone. This was rarely the case in the live action, which hastily brings me to the things I don't like about the show, starting with the overall production values. (laughs) This show looks bad. It looks, as Damask said, so cheap, so average in so many ways. It starts with the choice to be almost 100% faithful to the aesthetic of the anime, especially with things like costumes and hair. Why? Why (laughs) do this? I'm not saying it can't be done, but boy, you better be sure you have the budget and ability to pull it off well, because if you don't, then it's going to look like store-bought I want to be one of the cool kids at Comic-Con, but haven't put in the effort cosplay, which is exactly <laughs> what happens here. There are just some things that can't be translated from animation to live action without some adaptation to make it work. And Cowboy Bebop is a good example, as good example as you'll find, I think. I honestly can't believe they got away with this wig and makeup work. What the <laughs> fuck were they thinking with Jet's facial hair? Yes, it's faithful to the anime, but why? It looks like Kmart Halloween costume hair glued to his face, because I'm pretty sure it is. In a flashback, Jet doesn't have this fluffy sideburn things going on, and you know what? It was fine. Just do that. It's not worth keeping it just to avoid some fans of the anime saying it's not faithful to the anime. Some things don't work in direct translation, so ditch them, or at least change them. That's your job when you're doing something like this. So do your job. <laughs> the general production design, especially sets and locations where uh, when we're off the bebop, at least, I actually didn't mind the time we were spent on the ship, are somehow mm. a whole other kind of terrible. Yeah. Empty and cold and lifeless. Nothing feels organic or lived in. Everything looks like a set made worse still by terrible lighting and uninspired cinematography. Mm. Was there a two-for-one sale on Dutch angles? Or could they not <laughs> afford a tripod with equally sized legs because the camera is constantly <laughs> off kilter? We're not... We're probably doing a shallow focus close-up of a not particularly important prop and don't even get me started on the black and white flashback shots in episode one. Oh my God, which so bad. legitimately looked like something from year 12 media class, as in something <laughs> I made in year 12 media class. Like, I, that's I what think I like. might have to sue because I think it was my year 12 <laughs> assessment. Yeah, It's just lazy and artless. And what's really weird is that the anime is exactly the opposite. It goes to painstaking effort to compose shots that are artistic, mood-setting, and detail-orientated. It is quite a choice to make sure Spike's suit is identical to the anime, but treat the cinematography as an afterthought. Mm. The action of this show doesn't fare much better, often feeling stiff and stilted with no natural flow. This is probably more of a cinematography and editing problem than a choreography and performance one. How do you choose... How you choose to shoot and cut a fight is what makes something fake and rehearsed, which it always is, feel real when it's on the screen, impactful and energetic. But what chance do they have when they don't even know the angles to shoot the action from? And I'll give you an example here. 
Because I, I was having a hard time early on, but I was starting to lose my mind. At the start of episode two, uh, Spike is fighting this assassin in a bathroom. Mm. At one point, he's being backed up against a wall, about to be trapped between it and the assailant who is shooting at his feet. But he manages to get himself out of the way um, by walking up the wall and then jumping back at the guy. It's a pretty cool moment in the flow of action. So why did they shoot it? From above, they show him walking up the wall from above. It's literally the worst angle to show this action. If you have it at a low angle, you can see how impressive it is that he walks his way up the wall and pushes out. But because I have it from above, it has no impact because you can't clearly make out what Spike just did or how impressive an athletic feat it was. You better believe I'm missing Arcane's action direction now. Maybe watching this, <laughs> yes. the, week, maybe watching this the week after that was a bit unfair. I want to say Cowboy Bebop, Bebop feels like a YouTube fan video more than it does a high-budget Netflix show. But then I remembered that the Netflix Marvel shows like Iron Fist looked like what they look like. They look like this, of which mm. some of the same directors have been used and suddenly it all makes sense. Mm. This might also explain the subpar writing and direction. Cowboy Bebop is the dictionary de- definition of American remake. Overwritten, overacted, underdirected, zero subtlety, constant talking, barely any room for any energy except broad, loud, talky comedy or moustache-twirling villainry, Mm. long-winded with no sense of pace or timing. There are numerous examples of Bebop's inorganic storytelling, choosing to stop the characters from continuing their immediate mission to just have a completely unrelated conversation in between notable events. Why try to weave themes into the fabric of the plot when you can just have characters stand still and clunkily say those unrelated things that you want them to say? (laughs) If there's a part of my review that's worthy of criticism, it's probably this next part because it's the element of the show that does set itself apart from the anime and suggests what the creator's mission statement for the live-action remake was. It was to expand. And expand it does, where the anime starts off as a cheeky action sh- show and slowly um, lets the serious backstory creep in. Even by the end of the series, a lot of character history still not spelt out. Mm. This version makes the backstory front and centre very quickly. Where the anime had economy of storytelling, uh, it would tell a complete yarn in 21 minutes plus credits with carefully chosen words, sounds and images. Everything in the new Cowboy Bebop is bloated, long-winded and said bluntly and blatantly so there's no way you could ever have a slightly different interpretation from another viewer. Where the anime had a way of being profound with clever sci-fi ideas and existential thoughts, it still found room for being funny and moving. The live action can't go 10 seconds without someone being quirky and jokey. It makes me wonder, did the creators actually want to make a Firefly reboot and just couldn't get the rights? Because aside from the costumes and hair, this truly does feel like Firefly. It's going for the Whedon-esque banter and found family feel, film feel sorry, of that show. Firefly and Bebop always had shared DNA, aka Firefly stole its setting from Bebop, but it wasn't the dialogue and the tone. That feels like a conscious choice of the live action action creators. But I digress. As I sit here bemoaning what this show does differently than the anime, I come again to the question of what's the value of being just like the original thing anyway? Surely I should sh- surely I should celebrate the differences as that's what justifies a retelling. And if not, what is worth keeping? What should be the same or similar and what shouldn't? I'm not sure there is a simple answer, but I'm pretty sure the route this show has taken is mostly the wrong one. Why would a remake go out of its way to make the costumes authentic to a fault, redo the utterly legendary opening titles almost verbatim, and use the exact same music as the anime, but then not replicate the tone, the storytelling, and the soul? 
If those parts aren't coming with you, why are you doing this at all? Mm. The same time, if you're not commenting or riffing or even remixing the original, then you're making a cheap facsimile. Why? Why not just make your own thing? In the end, as much as you might not believe this, I don't hate this show. Thanks to the core cast, it's mostly watchable. That's It's not. But Even on. as I say it, I don't believe it. I didn't always have a bad time, but the good times were certainly fewer. I can sort of understand its appeal and why those who do like it do, but I can't help to be really frustrated by the new Cowboy Bebop. To go back to my introductory comparison, the difference between Why the Last Man and Cowboy Bebop is that I always felt like Why was an idea that would translate naturally to the TV show format, and there, mm-hmm. there was an opportunity to add something to the story in a different medium. With Cowboy Bebop, it's the exact opposite. There was nothing about the anime that made me think, boy, I wish they did this as a live-action series with episodes that were twice as long. That sure sure would be an additive experience. Now that I've seen the result, I'm sad to say Netflix have not made a compelling case to the contrary. I don't think it should exist. I'm kind of Mm. embarrassed that it does. And no, I'm not saying this has ruined my childhood or anything like that. I hate that sort of whinging. If anything, it just goes to prove the magic of the anime was always more than just its famously cool and stylistic aesthetic. Sorry, cool music and stylistic aesthetic. And if there's an upside, anything to be thankful for, this new Cowboy Bebop did get me re-watching the anime again for the first time in 15 years. I ended up watching probably a third of the anime, mm. um, a few episodes completely and in a row, and then just moving around the place to try and remember certain things and how the anime did it. And, like, there was one sequence from a later episode that, like, I, having watched it completely out of order, still hit me, like, with a gut punch. Mm. And I hadn't watched that scene in 15 years, basically. Mm. I was just like, everything about the show that I loved came back. And I remembered, oh, yeah, no, this is this is still great. It always yeah. was great. I'm not wrong about that. It's just whatever this is, is rubbish. Shh. Yes, go on. Oh, I just wanted to say, like, with the amount of like, like, well, certainly from my point of view, hatred I have of this show, are we definitely sure that Paul Mitzi didn't recommend it? <laughs> no, this was my fault because I was too curious. <laughs> Even though last week I was like, do we, do we really want to watch this? Do we really want to watch this? Um, Sean Kirkpatrick, aka at Shawnee Boy Draws, who does our wonderful uh, artwork for mm-hmm. Hunting Seasons, sent us this tweet. I tried really hard not to get hyped, but that trailer really floored me with its creativity in a way that may or may not have been as prominent in the final show. What do you think the role of trailers should be ideally? Do they deserve to have independent independent creative license? So I believe what Sean is referring to here is that it was, and I mentioned this before when you were talking about trailers, mm. there was a, a teaser that came out that was called Cowboy Bebop The Lost Session. And it... It rather than being a conventional trailer, was just cutting pieces from the show and stitching it together into something. It was all its own original um, dialogue. It's the same characters and, and costumes mm. and sets and stuff, but um, it's an original piece. And it sort of is almost like a very, very quick mini version of like what a Cowboy Bebop episode might be. Mm-hmm. And it used like excellent camera work really in, it's like it was actually very Scott Pilgrim if people are familiar with the Edgar Wright film mm, Scott Pilgrim vs. the World I did see that yeah I did watch it and like really dynamic camera movements and the action mm-hmm. was really well shot and paced and edited and the dialogue wasn't cringy and it was like holy fucking shit they might actually pull this off it does it's not the anime but it's going for something and if it hits this hard mm-hmm. this might actually be really cool and worth our time and then the show wasn't and so 
Sean's in a predicament, and I feel this as well, where mm. our expectations went from being like, or at least my expectation went from being like, oh, no, why are they doing this to actually maybe I should be excited for this thing. Mm. So what's interesting is because this was its own independent thing, yeah, is that like a mistake? Do, should trailers do what this did and be uh, maybe not? It, 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 it kind of was a tone piece, but it, it did it so much better than the show that it... It was yeah. like ended up being inaccurate. Mm. Like, was that a mistake? I mean, I don't know. I don't think it was a mistake. I think um, it did its job as a trailer, which is to get eyes on the product. Mm-hmm. And so um, I think the bigger mistake was that those who, I mean, I don't know who did the trailer. I've a different no person. One. Somebody yeah. who I actually started following them on Twitter after that because I was so impressed by it. I've watched I think it the, dozens of the times. The bigger mistake was not getting that person to do the show. Yeah. That was the big mistake. Um, because the show was the show already um, by the time that, that trailer mm-hmm. came out. Um, so it, it did its job and it did its job really well, which is to get our eyes on something that a lot of people were trepidatious about mm-hmm. viewing. So it, it, it did that. Um yeah, it wasn't because this show was never going to be good for like what it was. Like it was made, it was done. The creative minds who put it together did whatever the fuck they did. <laughs> um, there was no fixing that. But that person who made that trailer did a wonderful job in creating excitement about a show that no one should be excited about watching. The idea of creative independent license for trailers is interesting. It's... Yes and no, I think is the answer. It's like you don't depends want it- on the product you're selling. Yeah, really. you don't want it to be inaccurate. I don't yeah. think so. it's funny because I think I think in a lot of ways this show that the trailer is just the idealistic, the ideal version of what we got. Mm. Um, which trailers already do anyway. Trailers mix things and use music and images in ways to make something appear different to the way it might anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, a good example of that, actually, in a weird way, is like how Marvel does trailers now, where they are actively putting in shots that won't make it into the final film, or even mm. editing shots that are in the final film to remove characters or change things and all that sort of mm-hmm. stuff. Which I actually really appreciate because Agreed. I go into those with a a sense that I haven't been spoiled by the trailers, and b I will be surprised by things that I th- might have thought I knew how it was going to go down. It doesn't go down that way. I actually, mm. People people talk sometimes about how they're being lied to in the trailers, but, I mean, it depends on how you feel about the final product, I guess. Um, it's and also so in- like it's, you know, a double-edged sword because, you know, if you go on any, like, YouTube trailer, every comment below is like, oh, you've just shown me the whole film. You've mm-hmm, just shown me mm-hmm. the whole film. Yeah. And it's like, well, that's kind of the expectation now. So if people want to see like a shit ton of, to get them excited about a film, but don't want to see the film, then I guess the answer is just to put a, a bunch of like red herrings in there for people to be like, oh, I know what's going to happen. And then what are they angry that it didn't happen the mm-hmm. way they predicted? Like, don't people want to be surprised when they're in yeah. the cinema? I don't know. Uh, so I think I agree with you ultimately. I think they just should have got the creative people behind the trailer to also be in charge of creative creative aspects yeah. of. And the I didn't show. want like a Suicide Squad situation where like they had a film and then the trailer was better than the film was going to be, yeah. and they brought them in to then re-edit the film. That's a fucking disaster. From the get-go, you should have a creative vision that um, has purpose and has. Yeah, it's it has a little, purpose. That's a little more dynamic than du- Dutch angles, all the Dutch oh angles. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah, I was expecting like an Edgar Wright. That's, that's his name, isn't it? Yeah. 
Yep. An Edgar Wright type thing, which would be fun and poppy, like, you know, pop art kind of like mm. whatever. Um, so that was my thing. And then when I saw what it was, I was like, oh, these people, cinematography is awful. The direction is ghastly and uninspired. It's truly chilling to watch. Um, <laughs> I was like, fuck. Yeah. It's, it's just a huge disappointment all around. How would you score Cowboy Bebop out of five stars, Damask? One star. It's an absolute waste of time and One money. star. Yeah, it's so bad. I, for me, it was practically unwatchable. <laughs> it was truly terrible. I don't think it's unwatchable. But I'm gonna I give do. It, I'm going to give it two stars, which on our scale is inferior. And I mean, I just can't think of a better word for it. Inferior mm-hmm. it sums it right up. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. All right, before we dive into spoilers, well, one thing, um, I've got to apologize for screaming my <laughs> spoiler free review. <laughs> I did too. I was like, yep. I was writing and I was going, don't get too emotional, don't get too emotional. And then I watched you do it and I was like, fuck it, I'm going for it. No, I was definitely yelling. Anyway, um, beyond that, uh, we'd like to ask everyone who enjoys the show beyond my hysterics um to please review us on apple Podcasts. please be kinder than we are to cowboy beam up uh nothing helps the show to grow more than by throwing five stars and maybe a couple of nice words our way and to sweeten the deal if we reach 25 written reviews on apple Podcasts, we're getting pretty close so just a few more mm. we'll nudge us there i think we'll finally review buffy the vampire slayer season one which i think you can tell uh, Whedon's work has definitely influenced Cowboy Bebop, so you'd like us to review that. Mm. Did Whedon's work just infiltrate and ruin everything? I don't know. At it's this possible. Point. I did read yeah. an article about that actually, about the the Whedonism of the dialogue and how it's just yeah. overtaken some things like this. Yeah, mm. yeah. Anyway, we would also love you to share hunting seasons with friends and family. Um, if you've made them watch Cowboy Bebop, maybe send our podcast as an apology. <laughs> um, just. just Give our podcast, hand it over to anyone who you think might enjoy listening about us ranting about television. Next week, we'll be back with an off-topic, hot-topic bonus episode followed the week after by our review of The Great Season 2. That's a show I'm seriously looking forward to reviewing. Yeah, me too. If you'd like to contribute a question, topic, or story to off-topic, hot-topic, or if you have any thoughts on The Great or Cowboy Bebop, I'd be very interested in, in reading people's defenses of the of the live-action show if they'd like to. You can write to us or send us an audio recording that we may include on a future episode to contact at huntingseasonspodcast.com or find us on Twitter at huntingscast. But right now, Let's talk spoilers for Cowboy Bebop Season 1. You're now entering 
the spoiler zone. Spoiler warning. From here on, we'll be discussing everything that happens in season one of Cowboy Bebop. Before listening any further, we recommend watching all of Cowboy Bebop up to this point. If you've not yet done so, proceed with caution. There are spoilers ahead. You, you have, have been, been warned. warned. Deep dive. It's cool to know other people think about this stuff too. Do you know what's a fun word to say? What? Or two words to say? Cowboy Bebop. It just is it fun is to say. Cowboy Bebop. It's yeah. fun, fun to I say. I mean, that's over the fact that I like. I mean, other than those two episodes, like I keep mentioning a decade ago, mm-hmm. the name, I'll always remember the name. Yeah. And I never remember, I barely remember my own name. But Cowboy Bebop, I will always uh, remember. You said in your review that there was context that was given that started to make you think that maybe there was a story here. Mm-hmm. Tell me all about that. What sort of did. You know, turn the dial in the positive direction for you briefly. Well, because like this show was being so cool, um, and everyone was so cool in it, um, I was like, and it just episode to episode, I was like, and here's a bounty, and now we're going for this bounty, and everyone in it was like, bam, 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 I'm cool, quip, 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 let's just quip all day long. I was like, this is this show is terrible. Um, there's no emotional stakes whatsoever. And then we finally get the context of, like, what happened with Wig Girl. I don't know her name, but Julia. Julia. Oh, it's the worst wig in the world. Um, and then I was like, oh, okay. Now I get, like, this is kind of a classic gangster trope. Um, anyone who's in, like, a – if I'd say found family, that's not the word I'm looking for. Uh, a, a crime family. Mm. You want to get out. You have to leave behind the woman you love. There's betrayal between brothers. I was like, okay, so that's like kind of like the tropes we're playing with um, within the various genres of this show. Or I'm at the time I was like, oh, this is what the anime was kind of alluding to and what might have made it hit emotionally for people. Because up until then, I was like, I don't even understand why people enjoyed the anime because the story I was watching was really boring. So at that point I was like, oh, okay, there isn't – there could – if it was done well, this could hit emotionally. So it, was, it didn't make the show good, um, but it made me realise why people would be attached to the show. So I want to be, be really clear about the specifics here. You're talking about – I think the episode that probably for you started that, – that did – find, you know, that emotional episode nine or something. Yeah. Episode nine where we have the flashback to what happened between Spike and sorry, Fearless and, and Vicious and, and Julia. Julia. Yeah. Okay. Here I'm gonna blow your mind for a second. Oh no. What? We never see any of that. Oh well, well we see very, very little of that in the in the anime. Okay. It is alluded to a lot. Mm. Um but it, it is it, episode nine was a really interesting one for me to watch because it's like okay they're finally doing something that is different and this is kind of where I was talking about how it expanded things right gotcha. like they were like yeah. okay let's flesh out the backstory of Spike and Julia and Vicious right how much how much are we are we willing to talk about the anime of which let's I mean let's talk it's about 15, it fifteen yeah. it's was it twenty five years old the anime since it came mm. out or whatever uh, okay so. One of the things the show, the anime, did really, really, really well, which is what I love about it, right, is it's not really a show about what happened to Spike's past. In fact, it's not mm. really a show about what happened to Faye's past and and um, or Jet's past or anything like that. It's kind of about these people who are all sort of on the run from their past. It's mm-hmm. like they find each other at a time in their lives when Spike has tried to 
leave behind this crime syndicate he was a part of, his very violent history, and is like, as he keeps saying, he's like living a dream at the moment that inevitably is going to bring him right back there. It doesn't matter how far across the solar system he gets, he's going to end up having to face off with Vicious and it's going to end one way or another, basically. Mm -hmm. Faye, she doesn't know her own history. She doesn't know where she came from. We do get a sense of eventually at the end of the anime what that was, but there's lots of details that never get fleshed out. The truth is it's never really, really about the specifics of what happened. It's the general idea of just like running from your past life and can you actually do that can you move on can you create mm. a new life a new you know a new can you become a different person basically that's, that's what cowboy bebop is about yeah. mm-hmm. and it's very much a mood piece and a think piece on that told through some episodes that are very like there's really sort of three there's episode five then there's i think it's like 11 and 12 or 12 or 13 in the middle and then the last couple of episodes like five episodes out of 26 that are focused on the spike vicious julia of it all mm-hmm. and everything else is either about the other characters to some degree or is kind of unrelated, but it would be a really interesting um, like genre piece or it'll be a fun fantasy, uh, sci-fi idea that if you think about enough and you look at the context clues, they tell you a thing about the characters and they'll mm. have those little moments, but they're subtle. It's It comes through in the music and the mood and, all, and the imagery and all that sort of stuff. It's not about people talking explicitly about how you're my brother and I was going <laughs> to, we were going to be together forever and oh my God, I've loved you and do you still love me? Just tell me you love me. And like, it's none of that shit, mm. right? Mm-hmm. So the choice to expand on the backstory that we never got, I get the impulse. Yeah. It's also completely contrary to what the anime was trying to do. Like in every way. It's like exactly mm. the opposite of what the anime was trying to do. Okay, that's interesting. Yeah. All right. Which is which is a really interesting choice. So it's like so there was that part of me watching episode nine that was like, cool, okay, I guess this is something. It's a take at least. It's new. It's doing something mm. different. But then when what happens is right, I think what the anime knew is that if you actually found out the specifics of how things went down with Julian Vicious, it's actually kind of shite. And it's better if you don't know, because if you leave it up to your imagination and if you just understand the emotional effect it had on people, then it's always going to be better than just saying he liked her girl mm. and then he found out. And so... So the anime is about like the recovery and rebuilding and the question of... If, if you even possible. can. Is it yeah. even possible to do yeah. it? Can yeah, Spike that's interesting. Okay. outrun that yep. his old life? Because every it certainly seems like he can't. Mm. And like it just keep it just he keeps getting like sucked back into it. Um can I, oh, just a question about on. the ending. In the anime, do they all go off separately? Uh no, no. The anime the anime is a pretty tight. It's one season. It didn't it mm. was it all came out like I didn't even realise this until I, I was looking at researching. It was like one episode a week, started in October and it ended in like February or March, whatever it was, right? Mm. Just like whole twenty six episodes thing was done. Um they did have the movie which sort of inserts itself back into sort of the the last third somewhere it sits in the anime. Mm. As sort of like an extra episode. Um it, they, they the basically the way that the flow of the story is it starts with just Spike and Jet, and then they collect Ein, and then they collect Faye, and then they eventually collect Ed, and then they're together doing their adventures, and then some characters leave, and then we have the ending basically. It's sort of Who's like they come Ed? together and some. Did, did you watch the ending of it? Right, the radical Ed, the redhead kid that showed up and like. Oh yeah, to, annoying. Yeah. 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 Listen. 
Ed is <laughs> Ed in the anime is probably not going to be everyone's taste mm. there, but boy, if anything is proof that you need to adapt your characters, that some things maybe work in anime but don't work if you just go for the red wig and the green goggles and and get them to do the same performance that they did in the anime. That is a very good example. That gotcha. is terrible direction. There's terrible creative instincts to mm-hmm. just do the same thing with Ed. It does it was never going to work. It it people would argue it doesn't work in the anime. I I like Ed. I like the energy that Ed brings to the show, but oh boy. Anyway, <laughs> where the show where the live action show ends, mm. right? With the church. Mm-hmm. So you know the bit towards the end of the episode, the end of the last episode where uh, Spike goes up to the top of the, like, the church, he's in front of that stained glass window and he turns around and Vicious attacks him. They have sort of like a sword gunfight. Mm-hmm. That is like, that is an expanded but almost like beat for beat remake of the end of episode five, which right. is the first time you see Vicious. So yeah, good example. In the anime, we don't see Vicious until episode five at all. Mm-hmm. We don't see him again until episode 11 and we don't see him again until the end of the season, uh, end of the series, basically. I think right. from memory, that's how that works. And so what we don't have is endless, vicious and Julia syndicate politics bullshit that is all the way through this season. Can mm. I tell you how much I did not fucking need that shit? Can I tell you how much I did not enjoy Vicious <laughs> at all? I mean, you, we all know how I feel about Julia, um, but the character of Vicious was, I mean, we want to talk about like, not anime, but cartoon. Yeah. The choices made, um, I don't know if he was directed this way, if it was an actor choice, probably a collaboration, um, but it was bad <laughs> and it was funny but not meaning to be yeah. and just made the whole thing seem dumb. So, Vicious, like we're thinking about this for a second, he, he, the character's called Vicious, mm. not exactly, you know, a subtle, subtle name. Yeah. And by the way, the fearless thing is not from the anime either. He was, just, he was called Spike when he was in the syndicate. Um, right. So the fearless thing they added basically to try and to make fearless not seem like such a dumb name. But fearless is not a subtle character in the, in the comics. He mm-hmm. is more of like a presence. It's like when he shows up, because you only get him in little bits, he is over the top villainous, but you mm-hmm. also just get him in tiny chunks. Little splashes, yeah. So, like, it's effective. It's like he shows up and you go, oh, fucking shit, it's vicious, mm. rather than having to watch him have this, like, weird tanties about the syndicate and his dad and <laughs> his daddy. Julia yeah. and all that sort of shit. Like, the dad thing is a non-event. That's not a thing from the anime or anything like that. Mm. And in expanding vicious, they tried to create his... They tried to replicate the over-the-topness which again is like, if you're going to have more of him, you've got to figure out how to make it work in live action. Instead, they yeah. just kept him at that level, <laughs> even though we were getting him every episode rather yeah. than five times over the complete run. Like, it's just such a weird choice to do that. Um, but I we feel get like they're that- both in shock. Like, there's yeah, a little kinda. kind of. Um, I don't even know where to begin analysing it because, yeah, just honestly, I didn't enjoy any aspect of this show. I think there was one moment 
in um it might have been episode seven or eight where we meet Faye's um fake mum. Mm-hmm. I thought that actress was great. She was mm-hmm. like cartoony, but I thought she did quite well. It was, you know, quite fun. Um, and then I was like, oh, okay. So I understand they're going for like the found family. Whereas before in earlier episodes, it was like, this is going to be our found family, but we're only going to display that through quips in the most like obnoxious way. And I was like, I'm not vibing this at all. Sure. But when we meet Faye's fake mom, I was like, oh, okay. This is a little bit more interesting. This because we're spending time with someone. Because if you're going to do that, which is like quite an, I guess, an American um, thing to put in a show was the fa- the found family. Um, oh, I'd argue it's there in the anime as well. It's just not as on the nose as it is in this yes. show. Yes. Yeah. Um, so it's kind of like in, yeah, in how they do it, I mean, mm-hmm. is, is what mm-hmm. is American there. Very so it's like so. because in this episode we have something that has um, an emotional connection to one of the characters, not just like a random bounty, I was like, oh, this is a little bit more my vibe. But at mm-hmm. that point, it, it was so late in the game and still wasn't even that good. Um, yeah, like that was the moment I was like, oh, I can kind of see how I could have liked this show, but they fucked it. Mm-hmm. They, they fucked it, yeah. Uh, what did you think? Let's let's go with talk with Faye about a second. I'm going to come back to Vicious and Julia later. With There's something particular we need to talk about there. The with the um with Faye, how do you mm. how do you feel about her character in general, like that performance and like all that? I thought the act. I'm, I I want to say I think all the the main actors main are three. fine. Like yeah. they're like I have I really have no complaints about their performances. I think they really do the best with what they're given. Um, in terms of Faye as a character, um, she's incredibly annoying to begin with. Um. Yeah, it's she kind of softens, but they're still all other than Jet. Like Faye and Spike are so obnoxious; they're really hard to kind of connect with. Mm-hmm. Um. Did I mean? Did I care? Is the is the big question? I didn't really care i mean i think like it's all kind of like oh i don't know who i am i've got a backstory there's a mystery here i mean that's what her character is is like her telling us that she um doesn't know who she is but that doesn't really i still don't fully know even though she doesn't know who she is she's still a person she feels and thinks things and is experiencing something that you know is a big thing to experience but did I feel that in watching her? No, I didn't. Um, so I'm left feeling pretty flat in terms of her character. But I think the actress gave her a lot of energy, yeah. um, which I appreciated. And towards the end, I, I did have some kind of affection for her. She seemed like a pretty nice person. Um, I wish her well. But beyond <laughs> that, <laughs> I don't know. How did you feel about her? Yeah, she's probably the one of the th- main three who they've done the most with to adapt her. And it's funny because I I kind of appreciate this version of Faye in theory um, compared to the one that we get in the anime. I really like the one in the anime. The anime, the anime has questionable sexual politics at times. Um, there is like this general sentiment, like there's this thing that Spike says in episodes like, Jet, you know there are the three most annoying things in the world to me, right? Kids, pets, and 
women with attitude and why are all three of them on the ship? <laughs> right? <laughs> right. And, and there's a few times where it's like, there's a conversation I was watching the other day, the, an episode today where like, in the anime again, where they're talking about like Jet and Faye doing on a mission together and Spike will stay behind. It's like, well, you just need to take control. Take the lead is like, I'm not that sort of guy. It's like, well, you need to, no, no, you need, no, sorry. You need to let her take control. It's like, I'm not that sort of guy. And then Spike's like, then you need to take control. He's like, I'm even less that sort of guy. And like, and so there's this idea of like these men and women are on a different playing field or a different level to some degree mm. that definitely can do with an update. And yeah. I think it that is, and I think Faye is, I think this modern American ver- live action version of Fate makes sense as an update. It's just like everything they do with this, though. They just go so far in the cartoony realm. They just go all in on the quips and the quirk all the time. These characters mm. definitely have funny moments like the things I'm mentioning here. And they have like personality quirks and they'll be a little bit jokier or they'll be a little bit sarcastic and those sorts of things. But fuck me. Not every goddamn second and every dialogue piece all the time i just wish they had levels i just mm. wish they had layers yeah yeah that's that's absolutely yeah you've you've said it well there i think like in episode five i've got the note um where like it's when jet goes off and does his backstory episode and we've just got i wrote an entire episode of Faye and spike being cool at one another how annoying like they're just kind oh, of like where they're bam, on bam, the bam. ship and they're just yeah. like talking about yeah and it's yeah, like, it's a, I it's didn't a different get a though, better sense of who they were or what their dynamic was that I hadn't already got from episode one through four. Like they weren't actually doing anything in those scenes other than like trying to be funny without mm-hmm. a sense of humor, which was bizarre to me. Mm. What about like the VHS tape bit with Faye? Well, could have been a good idea, but then she puts in the VHS tape. <laughs> And um, what was the purpose of the VHS? I Like, my question was like, okay, so her parents, or for whatever reason, she's put in cryosleep. Mm-hmm. Um, her parents, before that happens, decide to film this little video that says nothing, that does nothing, um, is clearly filmed outside of a New Zealand home, which was very yes. distracting. Yeah, I was almost like trying to place like this Wellington. Is this like yeah. in Chicago? It's like, I feel like I've been to this yeah. house. New Zealand's a the big first place. time we go to the house um, where Jet's uh, ex-wife and daughter live, I was like, is this filmed in like Melbourne? Like where? And then I was like, oh, it's filmed in New Zealand. It's okay, like a lot of it's like Wellington. Like yeah. there was, there were... Big moments was like, that's just a fucking warehouse in Wellington Park, car park. Yeah. And you can tell. Like- and it looks so similar to Australia. I was just like, fuck it out. Yeah. This feels weird. Um, yeah. So back to the VHS. I don't know. It didn't really do anything for me because it was just like, I just, I just thought it was a bit stupid. Hmm. I don't know what that little girl was doing, what the purpose of the VHS was. Um, I, I can't remember how they find the VHS tape in the anime. I'm sorry. But the VHS tape, it's di- that's that's like one of those things that's like almost directly mm. ripped out of the anime, and it's um, it's quite compelling for a number of reasons because you realize how old she is um, because it was on VHS tape rather than any other form of media, which is mm. interesting. Um, but like in in the anime version, it's like she's doing almost like a um, like a like time capsule with her friends is how it starts. Mm. It wasn't meant to be a thing that was meant to you know, be there when she wakes up from cryo sleep. 
In fact, I would argue it probably isn't in this version as well. Right. But it's so it's weird that it's found in her like ID lockup thing. Well, yeah, um, that's the because the whole thing's like she wants her identikit. She wants her identikit, which I'm yeah. told is this thing that like you wake up from cryosleep and it has all of your identification in it. And yeah, then we yeah. get a VHS tape, and I was like, well, why would that be in an identikit? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, this is where they're like they're changing things. Um, Ein is slightly different. Ein seems to have like robotic qualities to it, with like the the eyes thing, which is very strange. Um, Jet is a deadbeat dad. Jet mm. doesn't have a kid. Jet doesn't have an ex wife in the really. No, nah, no kid. Ah. No dad. And like, it's weird that they've chosen to do that because because now it's like, well, why isn't Jet just at home at home doing a job so he can be around Kimmy? Yeah. Because there is a reason he left Ganymede and is off doing what he's doing in the anime. There's a reason he's, you know, not hanging around there. Mm. Um so for him to to sort of keep his distance from Kimmy is really strange he choose that sort of job. Um I don't like that for at all that they did that with Jet. I think they're gonna give Faye a completely different backstory as why she's in cryosleep to what they did in the anime. And again, even in the anime, it's kind of vague. Mm-hmm. But it's more that like the videotape allows her to reconnect with her old self a little bit to see herself in a time that she doesn't remember as a kid. A very innocent time as well before she became this very hardened sort of con artist, basically, in the anime. And then... Well, yeah, I guess, like, that's a big difference. So, for, like... Because mm. I don't know anything about Faye Valentine. Um, mm-hmm. I don't believe she appeared in the first two episodes of the anime. No, not the first yeah, two. So I think it's three I, is the first one, yeah. I had no idea she existed. Okay. Um, but she seems very kid-like and innocent to me. And so there wasn't a huge difference between the child we see in the VHS by the time we see her. Um, because, like, you know, we have that moment where she sleeps with the mechanic and she's mm-hmm. like, oh, I've never had an orgasm before, which I hated that entire thing. Um, don't remember that from the anime. Can't, and also, there, they gave them it. the same fucking wig, which was just so distracting. Once again, the hair and makeup should be shot into the sun. Um, yeah, so I didn't see that much of a difference of like, oh, she has like hope of perhaps a better version of herself because like she didn't seem that bad to me or like that distant from the thing that she's seeing or why Again, that what would be What you're missing is the levels, right? You're missing... Mm all the the subtleties of the characters that come across in like sometimes wordless mm-hmm. musicless shots that come through in the anime where there is an art to how they tell this story mm-hmm. beyond just people saying i'm sad or i love you or i hate you and it's far more complex while doing way less and it's mm. crazy how far off the ball this the live action anime is um did you like Spike? Sounds like you didn't particularly like Spike. Not really. I mean, particularly for the first five, six, seven episodes, particularly the first, I think, one to six, I really didn't appreciate um, his cool factor and how much it actively put his friend Jet in danger. Like, that just was so annoying to me i will say one thing as someone who eats noodles for breakfast every day i I appreciate that about him um but beyond that no he just seemed like an obnoxious jerk for much of the season i was like i don't like this guy i don't really care what happens to him 
Because he doesn't he, care about anyone else. So I'm like, well, fuck off. I mean, doesn't he though? I mean, does he? I'm trying to think. Where he well, puts he his neck puts out. Jet in danger all the fucking time, and then doesn't apologize, and he's like, "Oh, whatever, <laughs> I'm cool. Let me put my hands in my pockets." Like it's it's just so annoying. I mean, I don't want to pretend that's that far away from Spike in the anime. Uh, um, that's that the super I couldn't give a fuck. Uh, nonchalantness is definitely, definitely part of Spike. Yeah, not my kind of character. Okay, I d- I would like you to watch the anime one day because it's. I tell you what, it's it's not a hard, uh, it's an easy enough watch. Twenty six, twenty one minute episodes, like you get through it relatively quickly. Summer assignment, give it a try. Uh, seems like a lot. Um, I, I little things I, I did like. Okay, mm. I did like. Some of the things that worked for me that the American version was doing the anime didn't. I, I like the bit where Spike and Jet have the joke about Faye looking like the cosmonaut. Like the idea of an in-joke that they have a shared history. There's a there's a language they speak that Faye doesn't when she gets on the ship. Mm-hmm. Theoretically, I like it. The bit where um, Faye had saved them from the, the missile or, or the whatever it was. And then she ends up back on the ship on the thing and like, welcome to the bebop and stuff like that. I was like, cool, I'm, I can be on board with this. This is mm-hmm. relatively cute and cool. Um, I'm looking through my list. That's about it. It's like those little <laughs> those little moments of, of heart they had. I was like, if this is where you want to go with this, I'm on board with it. I just wish it was more effective at getting there. Hmm. I will say... Um this is I'm not gonna talk about things I like because I didn't like anything. Mm. But um I I found it really confusing. Okay, we're talking about like this this great big expansive universe. I was confused about how long it takes to get places. It's all just within the solar system. It's relatively quick. Okay. So nothing leaves, nothing really goes past Pluto. Right, okay. Cause like just you know, when Spike is in the Londis center or whatever and then they yep. have to go and then they all the way to Earth and whatever. Zoom back and then I was just like, I don't understand because like that's the thing is like if that was in any way explained to me and I understood I don't know, I, I it didn't feel lived in. I didn't feel like I'd been like my love of Arcane was that I felt like I'd been dropped into like this weird foreign place. Oh, they, and I they didn't feel do that not at compare. all here. Damas, they don't compare, even for a second. Mm. Like, the world, the you can't... I have my problems with Arcane, but the world building and the execution on that world is completely on a different level than mm. what they're doing in this. But even, I, like, I, things like Firefly or whatever, like, I feel like I understand yeah. how it's all working together well, and how it's, like, somewhat connected. Yeah, Firefly doesn't I try don't. to get from one planet to another. Like, that, one of the things that Firefly does is make you know that getting from one place to another is dangerous and takes time, right? Yeah. And I, I think even the anime of Cowboy Bebop, what it does is, with its economy of storytelling, is it keeps things relatively, like tight so you're not mm-hmm. gonna have these things where spike is in danger with the countdown on one place and jet needs to get on a on a space on the spaceship and then fly to a completely different planet to take like it doesn't do silly shit like that it doesn't mm. try to create artificial stakes especially what annoyed me about that one this is nitpicking but like 
the 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 lady the the mechanic literally said she had the right piece in her fucking thing, and you might think you've paid less for it, and but make it work. Jet, just get the fucking piece that's gonna work, so you don't have mm-hmm. to fly on fire. I don't understand that. You're an idiot. Like this is the yeah. and then he crashes the fucking ship anyway, which is obviously gonna take more to fix. And then somehow we just assume they can get the thing flying again. And it's not gonna cost them money, more. which they don't have by the time they yeah. get spiked back to the ship. I was just like. Oh, that never happens. No, that the, the longest thing is an episode, but this whole idea of like Spike having this Julia like repeating dream thing was original. I'll give it that. Unnecessary, but original. Julia doesn't make it. You never see Julia in the story. Like mm. you get flashback little snippets. You don't see Julia until episode twenty-five. Does she become a crime boss? No. Now, if there was one thing. Here One thing where you're like, okay, hold on. Maybe they have a take here. It was the ending. Mm-hmm. Them separating and, and going their different ways was was different. Mm-hmm. Um, Faye had a habit of just going off and doing her own thing for a while and then coming back or they'd have to find her and save her from something, right? She did. She saved them plenty too. Don't get it. It wasn't a one-way thing, that one. But she'd piss off for a while and then come back to the ship. But the idea of Spike and Jet going their separate ways like that wasn't happening very well. Or if it was, it wasn't a big deal. It wasn't like an overarching plot thing. It's like, oh, Spike pissed off. We better go find out where he went. And that would mm. be the episode. Um, but so that ending where they're in the, in the cathedral. Yes, it's almost shot for shot. It is word for word. You should see. I only wish you could see the look on your face, Spike, and see what you look like. What? You look like a beast that's ravenous for blood. We we share the same blood. I bled that blood out out already. Then why don't you why why don't you die? Or why aren't you dead? Word for word, the mm-hmm. same. They stab each other. They shoot each other. Then in the anime, Vicious grabs Spike by the uh, face and throws him out the window. Almost immediately after that happens, and then Spike leaves a grenade. And it's a, that you know how they have the Spike falling bit. Yeah, and he's like seeing flashes of like the Julia stuff, and the, that happens. There's no Julia there. Mm. That happens. It's beautiful. It's like you get a sense of the history that's going on here. You get a sense of this like they're just destined to to come across each other again and again until finally one of them dies. Mm-hmm. What doesn't happen in the anime is what happens in this one, which is Julia comes in, shoots uh, Vicious Saving Spike, says, let's run away together. No, let's rule the syndicate together. Spike says no. Then she says, well, I'll have it for myself and shoots Spike and she's the one that pushes him out the window. Now, yeah. that's totally new. Mm-hmm. And at face value, I actually don't hate it because at least it's a different take. It's like one of the things that you might argue about the anime is that Julia is like talked about as being this important thing for Spike the whole way through. We get her for all of about 10 minutes and then that thing's done with towards the end of the show, right? We really don't get to know her that well. We just sort of get like a... We get our reunion and then stuff happens that finishes this, the show, basically. So, like, to take this character, which was very mysterious and sort of negative force, if you think about what's meant for Spike, and to make her kind of the bad guy in the, in the live action, there is merit to that. Mm-hmm. You have to earn it, though, by making me believe for a second that this is what she wants and that she's capable of it. What yes. the fuck? Yeah. She seemed like, you know, towards the... Because for much of the season, 
she's nothing. Like, absolutely, literally nothing. Hold on, I'm going to interrupt for a second. Mm. The thing that, what you were saying about how boring she is, what they, what again, not having her in the anime for, for much means is that you just have to accept that Spike really feels the way he does about it because you don't know how long they were yeah. seeing each other for. We don't know what the connection's like. In this, the flashback and his obsession with her doesn't make any sense because she is boring as fuck and they've known each other for all of about 10 minutes in reality. Yeah, they just have like a nice normal conversation that I've had with like, I don't know, 10,000 people in my lifetime. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's like, oh, we've laughed together. This must be love. Then take an awkward photo uh, on the <sighs> dance floor after doing a very awkward dance and then... Yeah, this Had idea of like her disdain for Vicious and his violence um, and then to go like to turn to Spike and be like, you made me this way. I was like, first of all, it's more complex than that. Like just immediately I was just like, well, your reasoning is flawed, ma'am. Um, sure, Spike leaving you or fearless leaving you was bad and he should never have believed what Vicious said to him. Absolutely. But you've been in a relationship with Vicious for three years and he's absolute psychopath. Um, if anyone's made you anyway, it's certainly Vicious. But, like, that's that's fine. Whatever. But then to turn around and then decide to want to be a syndicate, yeah. the boss, is nuts to me. Like, she can have, you know, any kind of feeling about Fearless and Vicious that she wants. Like, who am I to disregard that? But to then want to be a crime boss made no sense to me. Could they have, like, somehow in her backstory made it seem like she was just even ambitious in that way at all? Like, the first, like, when you get the introduction to her in the flashback, she just, I don't know, were, were you meant to think that she, like, made that woman puke so she'd get to be on stage and get the headliner act? Like, there was nothing about the backstory that suggested that she would go out of her way to gain mm. gain power or to to yeah. push herself up the social ladder. Like, or like the she, allure of Vicious was because he was a part of the syndicate and she wanted she's always wanted in. Um, she could have approached him in that regard then rather than mm, being the other way around. Like, yeah. There's there ways, ways to, to do it. Worse. I'm not saying yeah. it's not it's so they I'm not saying it's work. impossible. But yeah. the way that it was done and the character of Julia that we got, yeah. it made no sense. No sense. And I don't I I I really just wish if you're going to show this much Julia and Vicious and Spike, you need to make me believe. You do need to make me believe that that this is worth obsessing over the way that they have. Yeah, and I just don't believe it. No, I don't believe it because she is so fucking vanilla. Yeah, she's so boring. <laughs> she really is. Yeah, she has a great voice. Great. Doesn't mean you have to be so obsessed with her that you would throw your entire life away. The way that this show makes it happen. Uh, another difference from the anime, actually, just very quickly. Uh, Rather than um, her staying behind the way they do and her staying with Vicious, in the anime, they agree to leave. Spike waits for her before she can... She's packing, I think, to go. And then Spike shows up and says, um, if you, you need to go kill him now. She gives him a gun and says, you need to go and kill him. Otherwise, I'll kill you both. Mm-hmm. At which point, she not only doesn't show up to Spike and he leaves, fakes his own death and leaves, she goes on the run. So, she doesn't stay with Vicious. She's on the run uh, the entire anime as well. Okay. They're, they're both on the run. Vicious is is not with Julia. That's there interesting. Was the implied history that they mm. they were, mm-hmm. again, it's, it's very vague, um, but yeah, she's on the run. She's not a part of, she's not with Vicious at all in the anime. 
That would have been better. Yeah. Well, yeah, except they wanted to get to this thing where Julia is <laughs> going to become a syndicate boss, apparently. Mm. What would I have done differently? Tell me. Uh, I wouldn't do it. I wouldn't make a live action <laughs> Cowboy Bebop number one. However, gun to my head, I'd start by not having the one-to-one design. Like, mm. don't do... Like, it's live action. Make... Adapt the looks. I I know that Spike and Faye, although Faye, they did adapt her look in a big way, and Jet and Ed are iconic characters. But if you're gonna if you're gonna do this, adapt it so it works in live action, not so it looks like, as you said, a cartoon, which mm-hmm. it looks like. Um, find a visual style that works in the live action format. Don't try and I don't even know what they were trying to do. I think they were trying I thought I think I thought they were trying to be anime or cartoony or something, or noir even, but it just wasn't effective at all. Uh I wouldn't make it a wedness broad comedy. <laughs> First thing I'd be trying to do is make sure the tone is authentic as well. I really just wouldn't do it. I just think it's it's such a terrible idea they've tried this in the first place. However, the best example of time that has worked, I think, would be HBO's Watchmen. Mm. You Because you couldn't have convinced me before that came out that that was a good idea. Who the hell was asking for a sequel to Watchmen as a TV show? Nobody. But it worked because it was true to the original without being shackled to it. Mm-hmm. It built off what came before to give us something new. Mm-hmm. It added depth to the original story by expanding on little details and making them more important than by like trying to re-envision, well, Dr. Manhattan was really this or um, Rorschach was really this or anything like that. It like took those characters to new places, the ones that were relevant, took them to new places that worked still with the original being authentic and intact and little details in the background that weren't important now became important in their own new way, which recontextualized things. And it didn't try to look like the comic book. It remembered it was a TV show and it had its own aesthetic. Yeah. Those are all the things that if you're going to do something like Cowboy Bebop as live action, that's where I'd start. Any last words? Final thoughts. That's why you always leave a note. Do you have any side notes to mask? I mean, not really. I have one, which is I fucking love corgis and <laughs> iron is so beautiful. They used oh, iron well. So cute. Yeah. Yeah. That was, as I soon as that. iron showed up the first time, I was like, iron, iron's here. So and beautiful. That does make things better. Mm. Interesting little- bottoms. Oh, I know. Corgi bums are great. just the best. Something else they decided to do in the anime is make like, seems like dogs are extinct. Mm. Um, so iron was worth a lot of money because like that breed was like really rare or whatever. Uh, in the anime, they Ayn is taken to like a animal shop, and they're like, "This dog is worthless. I'll give you five oolong for this dog. <laughs> this dog is nothing. They're so common. It's not even funny." Which I thought was an interesting change. Um, just very quickly going back to what I was talking about, how they had that like shot for shot, line for line moment in front of the stained glass window in the cathedral. I was furious they were trying to do that all of a sudden because I didn't think the show earned it. Mm. I think it's not necessarily a bad move to get to that place because it's obviously very iconic, but I was like, you didn't fucking earn this. Um, But then when it did the swerve with the Julia thing, as much as that, like, it didn't work for me, I was also like, well, no, that makes sense, though. If you're going to do something like that, to make it shot for shot and then go, but there's a twist, actually kind of makes sense from a storytelling perspective. I didn't hate that. Mm. Also, one bit I liked, the bit where uh, Spike calls Vicious and does the sniper shot from the top of the, the silo. That's completely original. Don't remember that from the anime at all. Mm. And I thought that was quite effective. Though it, it did make me think Vicious was a bit pathetic and a loser. 
and not that much of a threat. Well, it was, I was thinking that already based on what the live action show That's was true, giving me, yeah. based on this character. Um, but it, what was interesting about that from my memory of the anime was that it was Spike wouldn't be that bold as to go out and get vicious. It was more of a like, I'm trying to avoid confronting this guy if I can do it. So that was an interesting choice too. Yeah. Um, some lines, one good, the rest were bad. Uh, you read lips. What did she? What did she say? And she's like lipped, mine read, fuck you fuckers or something like that. And he mm. just says, serves you right. I thought that was decent. That was a decent line. Um, all those moments will soon be forgotten like tears in the rain. Is this an appropriate time for a Blade Runner reference? <laughs> this was LeFou, the yeah. clown man. Oh, my God. Mm. Yeah. So just if we're going to talk a little bit about this thing looking cheap. Mm-hmm. That is a very, very good ep- episode of the anime. I rewatched the whole thing the other night. Mm-hmm. It's a silly concept. An assassin who is a clown. It's explained a bit differently in the anime. It's the explanation they have with the dogs and shit. I don't like this thing with a cat in the anime. It works a lot better, again, from because of economy of story. Economic. Econ, economy? Economy. <laughs> Thank you. Economy of storytelling. But also is animated beautifully it's like Mm. properly creepy and like the action is really fantastic throughout it's a really really good episode the anime when you choose to like go for that in the live action sense and you put it in like a renter carnival rather than a giant theme park like it's set in the anime it just does not work it does not work i think i was playing minecraft at that point i looked up and i was like you know i'm right not to be watching this i (laughs) went back to minecraft but the Blade Runner, the Blade Runner thing about the mm. tears in the rain, I'm like, <laughs> that feels like that was filler dialogue because you were like, couldn't think of anything right then. So we'll put in the Blade Runner line, we'll change it later and then forgot. Your lug nuts, your fucking lug nuts, says the chief capo to um, to fearless and vicious. Mm. I hate that that thing of like having your own like swear words or whatever. Worked in something like Firefly where they would either use weird made-up words or they would say it in like a different language like Mandarin or something like that. When they're already saying fucking, why do you need to have weird swear words? Just call them fucking assholes or mm. like you don't need to come up with lug nuts. It's so oh, such a weird Firefly, like trying to be Firefly but not good at that thing. It's don't like know where that came Battlestar from. Battlestar Galactica does that well because they, sure, they don't perfect. swear in that show and so it makes but they sense with for them to have their own yes. swear words. Yeah. It, so if you're not going to be able to swear because that's like your rating or whatever mm. and you come with something else, I get it. But when they're already saying fucking and then you're putting fucking in front of lug nuts, it loses all effect. It's like, why are you choosing to do it then? Just use a real swear word. Um, <sighs> the end of episode nine, which is the flashback episode, mm-hmm. ends with, because every episode of Cowboy Bebop ends with those words at the bottom, right? See you, Space Cowboy. See you next time, Space Cowboy is the normal one, right? You're going to carry that weight. Yeah. How fucking dare you? That is the final fucking words on the fucking anime. You did not earn that. Don't you dare use that there. That was one of those like, I want to be a gatekeeper here, but you did not earn the right to that there. That's that's <laughs> fucked up. That's the final That's the final image. You'd and you say that's there. fucking lug nuts? Is that what you'd I'd say? I'd say that's fucking lug nuts. And then yeah. worse, worse yet, the next episode when uh, Jet's trying to get Faye to take Spike and like trade her for Kimmy. She says, mm. I won't carry that weight. 
I'm like, fuck you guys. You don't even know. What you, you, this is so ham-fisted. You're using these things that could have so much power. Again, it's not that you can't use them. I actually think you can use those things. It's like you just have to use them with some sense of the weight that they carry. Speaking of carrying that weight. Mm, it's like I, I did use them effectively. In that scene where Faye says that, because I didn't know the context of that at all, but I was like, this scene feels weird and like, it heightens emotionally really quickly, but like it's not well articulated or demonstrated yeah. in any way. So I, it felt really stilted and strange. And I, yeah. Some observations. So episode three, I think it is. There's this episode where they're trying to trail that guy who can change his face, right? Mm-hmm. In the anime, he's had plastic surgery. He looks completely different. He can't change the way he looks all the time. In the anime, it's a little bit problematic because I believe it's like, a white man who's made himself look like a black man. Mm-hmm. Not great. He's also the bad guy. So, you know, yeah. remember that. So, in this, though, he looks like this wiry white guy. And then for the one fight scene, when he's not talking, he mm. turns into his real self, which is the black man, and then turns back into the white guy for the rest of it. That seemed really ill-advised to me. That was mm-hmm. really weird. Like, yeah. clunky and kind of gross. I don't know why they did that that way. Why not have at least, like in that final bit where he dies and he's like, you know, explains why he stole the animals and stuff. Like They just don't seem like they're the same character even, but like have him remove his fucking, like, Mr. Skies thing then and have, why, I was so weird. So weird. So wait, is he really a black man or a white man? In the, in the show, in the live action show, it seems like he's really a black man. Oh, I thought he was thing. really a white man. No, no, that's his disguise. Oh, yeah, that is weird. Okay. It's so yeah. weird. It's mm. such a weird thing to do. Um, And, like, when he is black, when he's the person he's actually meant to be, he looks a lot like the character as you see him in the anime. Mm. So they're, like, trying to to invoke that image, but then they only want to use it during the fight scene and not the rest. That's gross. I, something about right. it just I felt really icky to me. The bit where they just left iron behind. How am I supposed yeah. to like any of these people when they just dump iron on the fucking yeah, sidewalk? Yeah, I hated that. I hated that so... Like, it stresses me out even... Th- I don't like it. I'll never like it. Boo, hiss. And we already talked about Ed, so we won't talk about Ed again. But yeah, that that Ed, the character of Ed, if they're going to do it, needs a reinterpretation because... As as we got given to us, I don't think it's going to work. I don't think it's anything on the actor. I like the idea they're using. I think they're using a non. Uh, a, um, a, sorry, I've forgotten the term all of a sudden. Like a neurodiverse. Yeah, no, not neurodiverse. Maybe oh. actually, I think it was more of a trans actor. Oh, I didn't or, know. Or or non-binary or something like that. Because mm-hmm. in the show, Ed with a name like Edward, people assume that she's a boy and she's a girl. Mm. Um. So that like that interpretation of making them transgender or something, you know, in that realm mm-hmm. makes sense to me. Oh, and getting okay. an authentic, you know, getting someone who's actually transgender or non-binary or whatever in there does make sense too. Mm-hmm. Uh, but boy, yeah, that interpretation as we get it, it's going to be clunky if that's in if it's in a season two least favorite and favorite episodes. What was your least favorite episode, Damask? <sighs> <laughs> Um, hmm. my least favorite episode. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Oh, I mean, I'm struggling not to say episode one because immediately I was like, well, this show looks terrible. And the way- Almost the intro. Like, almost like the the cold open. I was like, fuck, I think I'm out. (laughs) It was was really bad. Really Um, Yeah, I'm just going to go with episode one because immediately I was like, everything's off. Like, it looks bad. The dialogue's bad. Mm. Yeah, everything was was just like this, I hope it gets better. Spoilers, it didn't. My least favorite episode was episode seven, Galileo Hustle, mm-hmm. which is the one with Faye's con artist uh, pretending mother bullshit. Mm-hmm. Um, just, it hit me so how overwritten, overacted, underdirected this part was. There was just, I don't know. There, I'll tell you something that really that kind of pissed me off. This is getting, again, nitpicky and sort of fan y, but Faye has a very iconic ship. Mm. She doesn't have it when we first meet her, which is interesting. It's like, oh, I wonder. And they show it in the opening credits, but it's like they show her ship every time. It's like, oh, I guess she'll get that eventually. Mm. And then they remember how this goes down. They get to that like that warehouse or whatever, and they're looking for an ident kit. Mm-hmm. And they find there's nothing there except the videotape. And then the guy, the Iron Mink, shows up. Mm-hmm. And then we find out there's like they're having some weird like kinky sex play thing and that's all this is. Mm-hmm. That made me want to blow my brains out. I hated that so much. <laughs> but then we don't see, there's no build-up to it. We just see Faye leave in that ship. And from then on, she has her ship. I'm like, you didn't put anything on that? You didn't make that a moment at all? <laughs> like You didn't think to like make this a thing, even show it to us when it was still in the garage. Or I don't know. It was just a really awkward moment. I'm like, I don't think this show has any fucking clue what it's doing at this stage. It was just an awful, awful episode. And the one bit that worked for me was the videotape, but only because it came from directly from the anime. Anyway, favorite episode. What's your favorite? Um, surprise. It's going to be episode seven. <laughs> <laughs> uh, because I thought the woman, because at that point, the show had already told me it's a fucking cartoon. Yeah. And the woman who plays her mom, I was like, oh, well, she's actually nailing it. Um, I liked her performance. The because I was really tired of like blah blah goes out on a bounty, blah blah goes out on a bounty, blah blah yeah, goes it out a on a bounty. Change of pace in that regard, um, yeah. so at this point, I was like, oh, okay. So things that are actually affecting our leads are coming into play, and we're going, we're actually going somewhere with the story. Turns out we don't actually go anywhere with it, but that at this stage. Um, <laughs> But, yeah, it was this episode I was like, oh, okay, so maybe there might be something here. I didn't think I was going to end up enjoying it, but I thought that it was at least doing something that I could identify as enjoyable in a TV show. Um, so I did like that. I didn't like the reveal that it was a kinky sex game. I'll give you that much. Um, you did like it or you didn't? No, I didn't. I didn't. Okay. I want to make that clear. I didn't like that <laughs> ending. Um, but, no, I, I enjoyed that woman and how her dynamic on that ship um, interacted with the the relationships that already existed between our three leads. You enjoyed all the dialogue about Spike beam into mummies and how mothers are like... No, I thought that was weird, <laughs> but I appreciated, like, Jet, you know, wanting to help her out, although, like, he had this prior commitment, all that stuff. Um, yeah, that, that did kind of work for me. Because gotcha. that's, like, a very rare time that we actually see them interacting with one another. Really? I think they're talking all the fucking time together. Remember in the one with the yeah, clown Yeah, but like thing? actually not talking at each other, but like actually interacting and their actions are affecting one another. Like Jet's sure, being sure. like, I'm going to go out and actually actively help you because your happiness is important to me. Sure. Yeah. 
I was just thinking of that episode, that part in the episode. I think it's episode eight with the the clown guy, and the bit where they're sitting around the plan. They keep repeating the fucking rhyme that Jet came mm. up with. Mm-hmm. Boy, that was tedious. Um, my favorite episode is episode zero, the lost session, the teaser trailer. <laughs> As the robot version of Tiny Tim said in Futurama, you raised my hopes and dashed them quite expertly, sir. Bravo. And uh, I've watched that multiple times. And if there's one thing I'm going to return to, I will be watching that teaser a few more times because it is so fucking good. Mm. So good that it stands on its own as being the one decent thing that I'll you enjoy. cheater. But yeah, I respect it. I respect <laughs> it. That makes sense. Predictions, hopes and concerns. Damask, if it is um, a season two... Who cares? Who cares? Who cares? <laughs> I, I I have one piece of advice. If there if there is going to be more, let go of the anime. Move on. Mm-hmm. No more. Don't because nearly every episode is directly ripping something from the anime. Mm-hmm. Honestly, just don't do it anymore. Come with your own stuff. You've already said that you want to tell a completely different story with the Julia stuff of it all. Follow that instinct. Go completely different direction. Don't lead back up to, like, we don't have to have the iconic ending of the show. Maybe don't go anywhere near that. Go somewhere else completely with it. Get new directors immediately. I mean, that too. Immediately. Get new writers. Get new everything. But, like, just go go ham. That'd be the best way to do it. If you can just go completely, completely different path, there's the best chance of success there, I think. Yeah, I think that's your only hope. Thank you very much for listening to this episode of Hunting Seasons. I want to apologize. I think I just went on a fucking rant there for most of that. You can find more of what we do via our website, huntingseasonspodcast.com. Our logo comes from the aforementioned Sean Kirkpatrick, aka at Shawnee Boy Draws. Our theme song and bumpers from Lucas Hile of Birthday Loyalty Club. Find links to their work in our show notes. You can also find myself, Broderick Gordis, on Twitter at B Gordis. That's B G O R D E S Damask. You can find me on Twitter at Maskymoo, M A S K Y M O. Next episode, we'll be back with an off-topic, hot-topic bonus episode. And then again, the following week, to discuss the great season two. There is a very high chance we're both going to have positive things to say about that show. So, I'm looking forward to that. I hope so. Because I loved the great season one. I've watched the first two episodes and it's it's looking good so far. So, fingers crossed. In the meantime, thank you again for listening. We'll see you next time. Bye for now. Bye. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods, for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.